You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. Because we know this in the NFL, you could be in the outhouse one day and you could be in the penthouse the next second. But a guy like Jim Irsay just sees two things that he's going to make sure he controls, money and power. And he's not going to let any player believe for one second that you can get anywhere near the cafeteria, much less the room, to try to make sure you invade that whole his uses rate was so high last year. I understand all of that. I'm Jim Irsay doesn't care. It's time for our weekly visit with the Hall of Famer John McClane from Sports Radio 610 right now on Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And that voice you heard coming in, not Sylvia's, but Freddie Coleman, he'll be a Hall of Famer one day as well. He is fantastic, and he was talking about Jonathan Taylor, Jim Ursay, and the whole Colt situation. And now joining us on the phone line is the Hall of Famer, John McClain, from Sports Radio 610 in Houston. And, John, thanks so much for your time. And since Freddie was talking about Jonathan Taylor and the situation, we know that he did not get traded. He's on the pub list. He's going to miss the first four games of the season. What did you think of just the way that this basically situation ended up, even though it's not over yet? I think that uh, when they didn't get what they wanted, if they really were interested in trading him, the reports we've seen are they asked for way more than he's worth, plus the fact he's injured, plus he was injured last season. So it's not like Christian McCaffrey last year who was healthy. So he can be on physically unable form, come back and have three weeks to prepare, and then maybe a team that's lost a running back, Say say the Raiders, say Josh Jacobs done for the year, and the Raiders are a surprise team, and Jimmy G's put them in a position to earn a wild card berth, and they have a big, big emphasis on the running game. Maybe a team like that who has a desperate need to get to the playoffs or possibly the Super Bowl might need a veteran running back because unless they pay him what he wants, He's not going to be happy. He's been a distraction. Putting him on physically unable to form means he's out of sight and out of mind for a while so they can focus on football and, and everybody, including rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson, won't be asked about it every day. But i tell you what, not having him in the backfield is a disservice to Anthony Richardson. There's no doubt. That's one of the biggest things I've been talking about is that Anthony Richardson could really use Jonathan Taylor, and he's not going to be there. So, John, I wanted to ask you about this situation. What do you think a realistic uh, trade chip would be for Jonathan Taylor? Like, what do you think the Colts could really get for him? Well, considering he's been hurt, and he's hurt now, and he was hurt then, they're not going to get anything near what they think. Right. You know, if they, if, would, they, would somebody give a second-round pick for him? I wouldn't give anything for him until he was helping, and I would have a lot of incentive clauses in any contract based on him playing and what he contributed individually and to the team's success, allowing him to make a lot of money like that. And the deal that the uh, Raiders did with Jacobs moved the needle, I'm sure, for Jonathan Taylor, even though he, he wasn't a first-round pick like Jacobs was, and he, hasn't, he didn't leave the league last year, but he was fabulous two years ago. So a team's not, you know, they can, um, you're just taking a huge chance on a guy that's had injuries two years in a row at that position. John McClain is our guest from Sports Radio 610 in Houston here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness will stick in the state of Texas. How about Trey Lance to the Dallas Cowboys? What did you think of that? What does that mean for Dak Prescott moving forward? Well, it better not mean anything. (laughs) Why in the world would Jerry Jones, think that Trey Lance could 
have any kind of effect on Dak Prescott and his contract next year, which is cap figures like $60, million. You know, they'd be better off saying it's Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush has done more yep. than Lance. Kyle Shanahan gave up three ones and gave up on him. He couldn't even be the number two quarterback. They tried to trade him before the draft, and the Texans weren't interested, even though their new coach and new offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick, were there every step of the way with Trey Lance. So what does that tell you? Why does Jerry Jones think he might be able to have an effect on Prescott and Prescott go, oh, my God, I'm calling my agent. I'm telling him to redo my contract and lower my cap figure because I'm really worried Trey Lance is going to get my job. How surprised were you, or maybe you weren't because it's Jerry Jones, that nobody knew about this move but Jerry? No no Coach uh, McCarthy, no Dak Prescott. He didn't talk to anybody. He just went and made that move. Well, there's no reason to consult Dak about a trade, but he sure should have consulted as head coach. That's insulting yeah. to not be consulted. Now, Will McCoy is a great personnel guy. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing he talked to him. Maybe he didn't. <laughs> you know, his right-hand man, Stephen Jones, is the only one that can talk his dad out of things. Like Jerry would have drafted Johnny Manziel instead of Zach Martin yeah. if uh, Stephen hadn't stopped him. And so um, I, I think it makes him look terrible. At least he told the truth. But I don't know anybody in the country that thinks that's a good situation for the Cowboys if, indeed, Jerry thinks it somehow will have an impact on Dak Prescott. John McClain, Sports Radio 610, is with us here on Raider Nation Radio 920. And, John, we saw the cut-down day yesterday, and, of course, the next 48 hours is going to be fluid for uh, every team, really. You know, it's going to be a lot of uh, moving and shaking as far as the roster goes. Uh, since uh, since you've been covering the league, now all of a sudden the practice squad, you can have what, 16 guys on it. How much does that help teams being able to have that expanded practice squad and even have veterans on there now? Enormously. And that, um, until the pandemic, you had players that had a limited number of games that they would qualify for the practice squad. But I'm glad the NFL kept it. You know, that was a bone to dangle for the Players Association. See how many more players we're helping get jobs or how many how much more money they're gonna make because practice squad the salaries have gone up plus the fact that veterans can be on there and uh, I think it's great. That's why I don't put much emphasis on the fifty three man reduction. I wanna see the fifty three man roster, which is always gonna be in flux. Right. And then I wanna see the practice squad. Like the Texans have more issues in their offensive line than at any time I can remember because of injuries. So they've had to trade for two guys, uh, sign a a free agent. It's it's amazing. Every team has a revolving door for the bottom of this roster because one of the reasons you do that, you hope it keeps the guys above them on their toes, giving everything 100% all the time because they don't want to be the one caught in that whirlwind through that revolving door. How difficult is it for a front office, though, to go through the 90-man roster that they have in camp and then decide who they're going to waive and hope that they clear waivers so they can put them on the practice squad? That's a tough decision. Sometimes it works out for teams, and other times it doesn't. But it's got to be pretty difficult, John. There are personnel guys, including scouts and coaches. Coaches have to prepare for the game, but they got to now watch every team. The scout and, say, guy from the Raiders, every team – 
has got a guy signed to the Raiders. Raiders, they're trying to predict for their organization who the Raiders might get rid of and who they might expose to waivers before they put them on the practice squad. And then you say, okay, if this guy gets cut, do we need him? It's complicated. I feel sorry for those guys, but the fact that it happens now instead of next week is an advantage. And the fact that it didn't go in spurts like it used to gave a lot of players a chance to play in the last game to show people around the league when they get cut, you know, I could be for you. What about, speaking of the last game, Will Greer played against the, the Raiders for the Cowboys, played the whole game, and he, he had a hell of a game. He's now in Cincinnati on the practice squad for the Bengals. How big of a performance was that by Will? One of the best auditions I have ever seen, Q. He, he lit it up, as you know, as a passer and as a runner. And there's a lot of people in Dallas, Fort Worth, here going, whoa, 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 wait a minute. <laughs> What are we doing with Trey Lance bringing him in here and getting rid of Will Greer? Right. And um, I don't know if that was because of him. Maybe Dak Prescott should become a play caller uh, next year if he gets if he fails to get the Cowboys the Super Bowl. Tell him where to stick that cap figure and become a play caller <laughs> because he did a great job. Yeah. And you would know better than me because I didn't watch it. You know, who was playing for the Raiders. But still, I don't care who you are. That was a great performance by a quarterback. Now he's got a chance to go to the Super Bowl if he can stick around for the Bengals. Yeah, no, I agree. I thought it was a hell of a performance. He did a great job, especially knowing he was not going to be on the team uh, moving forward. Like He knew that before the game, so he went out there and made the most of it. What do you make of this situation in Arizona? I saw this earlier come down the ticker with Steve Wilkes testifying that a team exec gave him a burner phone to communicate with Steve Kime when he was still uh, in the front office of the Cardinals. What, how messy can this situation get? Well, he said that before, and Michael Bidwell, the owner, is a, is the one that oversees everything. A lot of those charges leveled by that former executive, uh, McDonough, are serious charges that uh, the uh, – that could cause problems with Bidwell, whether in the form of fine draft choices, because that's some, that's uh, kind of like spy stuff yeah. that you're doing. And uh, it's amazing, as bad as they are, did it pay off? No. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's a bad team and a bad organization with a new general manager and a new head coach, Monty Olson Fort and Jonathan Gannon, trying to turn it around by tanking, by putting the worst players out that they can to ensure that they get a shot at Caleb Williams or Drake May. And I think the fans understand it. We went through that here with the Astros, and it paid off. The Orioles have been through it. It's paying off for them. So there are examples of where it works. But if you got people that don't know what they're doing, you're just spinning your wheels like a hamster on a wheel. Oh, so you're the Oakland A's. <laughs> That's what you mean. So you're the Oakland A's. That's all well, they do. I don't think the A's are trying to rebuild because as soon as their players get good, they get rid of them. Yeah. And they all feel point. like they've died and gone to heaven when they get out. <laughs> now, when they move to Las Vegas, it's going to be you up to you to follow them and report on them and see if indeed yeah, they're trying right. to get better. <laughs> when, when, when the Nationals beat the Astros in the World Series, in 2019, the owner had told them, you know, you build some new stadium, we'll keep our players, we'll spend money on free agents. They've been straight down the toilet since the World Series. He lied to them like crazy. 
Well, I don't expect the A's. I don't care where they play. I don't expect them to be very good, and I don't expect them to change their ways. That's just kind of who they are, and it's a shame. But, again, that's kind of who they are. Well, John, we'll wrap up with this. I wanted to go to New England real quick. They released all their uh, their quarterbacks, and I know that the uh, I know Zappi and, and others are, are probably going to sign back with the practice squad if they haven't already. Uh, what do you think the, the end-all, be-all goal is for the Patriots, having Mac Jones and nobody else behind him right now? Well, they've got a quarterback in mind. They've already Zappi cleared waivers and signed with their practice squad. But he didn't have a good preseason. He did right. a good job in regular season as a rookie low pick under the circumstances. But now with Bill O'Brien coming in there, he did not look good. So they're looking for another backup. I'm guessing they got their eye on some veteran, and his agent already knows he's coming to to Foxborough. It's going to be interesting. Now, the only veteran I can think of is Brian Hoyer. He's here in Vegas, but uh, that's that's going to be interesting to see. I, I kind of – I don't know. I, I have my eye on a couple different veterans, and, and none of them really made a whole lot of sense. Maybe Colt McCoy, but I don't I don't see anything could from him Colt either. He's, McCoy, he's available. Could be, be Carson Wentz. There's a bunch of players oh, yeah, out there. Yeah, that's true. I forgot about Carson Wentz. Well, there you go. Well, that's why you're the general, because you'll, you'll drop a name that I hadn't even thought about. John, fantastic stuff. What are you working on that I should be on the lookout for? I've got a column coming on the Houston Astros who are red hot at the right time and the great race in the AL West with three teams that went into today tied for first place. And I've got a Texans column I'm working on right now. Q, thank you very much. As always, I look forward to next week. Absolutely. Appreciate you, John. There he goes. John McClain, Sports Radio 610, the general, the Hall of Famer, usually with us on Tuesdays at 3 o'clock. But – had to push back an extra day, joins us today, and we definitely appreciate his time. Uh, regardless when it is, we appreciate him all the time. 3.13 is the time. Uh, Josh Jacobs, he met with the media a little while ago. Uh, I think we have that. Vinny Bonsignor is sending that over to us. That was actually by way of Zoom. It wasn't the, the normal setting that they have where uh, the guys come out to the podium and speak, so it was actually by way of Zoom. So if anyone had been you know, kind of looking for that notification, if you had heard that Jacobs was going to talk, that's why it didn't pop up on the stream so we'll get that coming up in just a little bit and we definitely want to hear from you at 702-365-9200 and the don't be broke.com text sign 69187 keyword rnr got a couple texts that i'll get to real quick and then we'll take a break this one comes from jordan in utah county uh talking about uh the roster and uh overall feelings on the initial 53-man roster as it stands jordan said for me Christian Wilkerson was my surprise. He played well, but I never saw him beating out some of the other wide receivers they released. I feel like the Raiders improved all around the 53-man roster compared to last season, and to beat a dead horse, I'd say I think the linebackers could use an upgrade. That's from Jordan in Utah County. And, yeah, I didn't – I'll be the first to admit, man, I thought that Christian Wilkerson, that was a showcase. I thought that they were showing off what he could do as a potential, you know, trade chip thinking that a team that needs a wide receiver might come calling and they're able to get something out of him. I really honestly thought Cam Sims made the team. I just thought his size was so valuable as a different, a different element of, of, you know, of the wide receiver room than what they have, right? It just there's a bunch of different flavors that they had. They had a lot of the speed guys, the, the smaller speed guys, like Philip Dorsett, DeAndre Carter, Trey Tucker. All those guys are very similar, and Trey Tucker and DeAndre Carter also provide special teams, you know, kick return and punt return, where Philip Dorsett doesn't do that, right? He didn't take any – I didn't see him taking any punt return snaps or kick return snaps in training camp at all. So uh, the, you know that DeAndre Carter and Trey Tucker could do that. So Philip Dorsett – to me, when they you know, released him, that was kind of a no-brainer. I felt like that, that there, there was no doubt that he was going to be released, but 
Cam Sims in that size, I mean, you just can't teach size. So I thought for sure that he was going to uh, to make the roster, but uh, did not make the roster. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we'll see if he ends up being on the official practice squad or not. I know there's a lot of different uh, decisions being made right now. Uh, and then they'll they'll at some point they'll release the they'll release the actual list of of guys that made the practice squad. And by then it'll be about four forty five, <laughs> like like it was yesterday. That's gonna be our target time now, Ari. We're gonna look anytime we're looking for anything, we'll just look at four forty five and say, yeah, it's on its way. Four forty five is on the way. Just move the show up an hour, maybe. Right, trick it, them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, that's that's what we'll do. We'll do we'll do something. Right, and say, oh, man, the show's going to end early, and they'll say, oh, well, we better get the information out early. Daylight ah. savings time situation. Right. Yeah, sounds good. But well, we want to hear from you, 702-365-9200. Let's talk to our friend Paul from Temecula. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Paul? Hey, what's up, you? Uh, chilling, man, chilling. my call. Yes, sir. Hey, um, just uh, really quick to answer your question about the, the roster, I, I think um, I think on, on paper it looks pretty good. I, I think we, we all kind of expected uh, – some of those names to be on there, uh, given a, a few that kind of didn't make it, like uh, Duke Shelley and some other guys. But I think that's a, a credit to the coaching staff in a way where, you know, they're preaching, like, hard work and, and, and uh, co- competition. And if the other guys outwork the other players, then that's kind of putting where the, um, the money on your, where your mouth is, you know, like rewarding those guys for, for earning their spot. Um, I think it's a good thing, you know, so – um, I look at it that way. Um, and as far as, like, you know, like our two previous draft picks, as far as, like, defensive tackles and all that, um, again, that goes back to the competition. If Byron Young and, and uh, Nasty uh, Silvera outplayed those guys, then, you know, you got to keep those, those two players that, again, earned their spot. Right. Um, and, and if you look at it as a, as a team aspect, it's like if, if, you were, if they were going to take um, – six or four out of the six defensive tackles, two of them being rookies and then two of them being second year players, you know, that's kind of hard, you know? So I, I understand having some veterans there too. So um, I'm, I'm optimistic, you know, I can't wait for the season to start. And um, I, I think, I think our defense is going to surprise. Um, it's going to surprise us in a positive way. Um, with that being said, I think it's going to take them at least, three or four games before they kind of settle in a little bit, you know, kind of get used to uh, working together in a real game time situation, um, getting their conditioning and endurance and all that. Um, but I, I think they're, I think they're, they're heading in the right direction. So thanks for taking my call, Q. Hey, great stuff, man. Great stuff. And yeah, I think that this roster has a chance to be very competitive. And I think Jason Horowitz said it best. And I know we've said this as well on the show before the names aren't sexy. The names aren't big-time names that you're just looking at thinking, oh, man, this guy's a hell of a player. Like Chandler Jones, for example. When they signed him last year, I thought, man, and this was me, and maybe it was, it was only me, I thought that's going to be a great player because of the name, Chandler Jones. Oh, he's going to be a great player. Yeah, I know he's a little bit older. I know he's not quite the Chandler Jones that he was when New England moved on from and traded him to Arizona, you know, but – I just still felt like he had a lot to provide and bring to the table, and it didn't work out at least early in the season. He, eventually he started to catch on and play better, but it, that was a big name. And so everyone got – well, not everyone. I got excited about that, that addition, thinking that he was going to be able to really help out that defense. Now they brought in a bunch of young guys that you know have something to prove but also have some, some, some high level of skill, 
and nobody's talking about him because Marcus Epps wasn't on the on the top of the list for free agency. Nobody went into free agency saying, hey, I think the Raiders should go get Marcus Epps. Matter of fact, I would probably argue that most of the Raider Nation didn't even know who Marcus Epps was when he signed. And and I'm not trying to insult anyone's intelligence, but I just I love the NFL so much that I mean I had heard of him, but I didn't know what his skill set was. All I knew is that he was on the field a lot. <laughs> right? I mean, that's basically what I knew from Marcus Epps is the fact that he played a lot with Philadelphia, and Philadelphia put out a hell of a defense last year. But it's not like I could tell you and go through his whole career and tell you what, you know, what he did and what he did great and what he's not good at. Robert Spillane, I didn't know everything about him when he uh, signed with the Raiders. I didn't. I knew that when I reached out to a couple people that covers Pittsburgh, they're like, ah, eh, he's okay. He's not very good in coverage, but he's a good tackler. Like, that was it. I didn't know what kind of, you know, personality he had. I didn't know, uh, you know, his traits that he had, that he just was all, all about football, football, football. I didn't know what Dave Ziegler and company saw about. Like, there's none of these guys were, you know, Duke Shelley. There's reasons why we reach out to people in Minnesota and, hey, what does this Duke Shelley guy bring to the table? What's he all about? New Brandon face on because of his time that he had already been with the Raiders. David Long, kind of heard of what David Long could do, but didn't really know. It's not, it's not, a, it's not a household name. Right, it's not some big name where you just know like a Marcus Peters. Everyone knows that name. That's easy. It's super easy. But these other guys that they brought in, they weren't they weren't names that people were, were just pounding the table and hoping that the Raiders go on side. We always come together, come up with our wish list, right? Always. It doesn't matter who you are. We always come up with our wish list when it comes to free agency, and we always come up with our wish list when it comes to the draft. Nobody, nobody called the radio station and said, "I think the Raiders need to go get Jacorian Bennett." Nobody. Not one time did I say, you know what? I know the Raiders need a corner. I think Jacorian Bennett would be a good one. Now, Deontay Banks, his teammate at Maryland that went in the first round? Sure. <laughs> right? Sure. I was talking about him. I was talking about Devin Witherspoon. I was talking about Christian Gonzalez. I was talking about Emmanuel Forbes. I never once was talking about Jacorian Bennett. Doesn't mean they're not good players. Just wasn't on my right radar. Right? Byron Young. I, I'm an Alabama guy. I love Alabama. I wasn't talking about Byron Young. I was talking about other defensive tackles. I wasn't talking about Byron Young. I was talking about Tyree Wilson. <laughs> we had his head coach, Joey McGuire, on the show, so definitely was talking about him. But it's just one of those things. There's None of these real names are big household names that everyone knew to get people fired up, right? So a lot of us look at it and say, well, I don't really know. I don't know how these guys are going to work out. But the guys in the building, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels, Patrick Graham, especially defensively, Jason Simmons, right, Rob Leonard, the guys that matter on the defensive side of things, they know what they're looking for, and 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 they're hoping that these guys fill that void. Now, these guys, you know, they, they can't just say that they're that's the guy that they need. They've got to go out there and prove it, but they know what they're looking for. They know what they want. Now they got it, just like Josh McDaniels has it on the offensive side of things. Now they just got to put it together. They've got to make sure that those guys go out there and execute at the level that they want to. But I, I do, all in all, from based off of what I've seen with my eyes, think that the roster is better. Think that the roster is better on both sides of the ball than it was a year ago. That's just me. Again, they got to go out there on the field and prove it. One guy that's very uh, adamant about one of the players on the defensive side of the ball is our guy, Raider Mack. Raider Mack, welcome to the show. What's on your mind, brother? What up, Q? What hey, up, Doc? Uh, you know, I, I'm surprised that um, Alex um, Barnes was cut. Okay. Uh, I, I didn't understand that because we do need 
he was a good backup guard. I think he took he took a lot of snaps last year. I'm shocked at that one. And um, also, like you said, uh, we kept five safeties. I, I, I didn't understand. Yeah. Why, why do we need five safeties? I didn't understand that, that one. But they know more than me, so I, I, I'll leave it up to them. But that was a surprise uh, that we kept five safeties. I think the defense going to play well. I went to the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, cue against the Rams when the starters played. The only thing I was concerned is that the, we was getting ran on a little bit. Um, the, the D tackles got to show up a little better. But other from that, I, I, I was in. And let me tell you something about Jimmy G. I was right over there by Jimmy G. I didn't know this about this dude, but Jimmy G got some swagger. <laughs> I'm talking about this dude. He was up with the fans throwing up signs. I mean, this dude was. I'm like, wait a minute, this Jimmy G, the one that they said, Q, he 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 lit up the the area, man. The dude got a presence about him when yeah. he walked, I, I, and I didn't notice that, you know, from far away because he was with the 49ers. Yep. But the dude is for real, Q. The one thing I need to want to understand. So now the 53 man roster. I just want to ask you this. So the 53 man roster, the practice squad. So you can, so before uh, the first game, you can drop players and sign players and add them to the fifty-three man roster. Correct? Yeah, I mean, yeah, if you, yeah, if you need to, sure, you can okay. elevate them. What twenty-four hours before game day? Right, right. Yep. So my my question: Are you going to? Uh, and I'll go with this. Q, I appreciate y'all show. Y'all been doing great. You know, I listen all the time. Q, you think we gonna put? We gonna have five safeties on game day? And I I just don't see that there's going to be guys that's not dressed on on game day. That's why I didn't understand that that move keeping five safety. But um, I'll, I'll let I'll let you go on that. Yeah. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate you. And yeah, I do. I honestly think they will keep five safeties because the guys that are behind Marcus Epps and Trayvon Merrick, one they could be backups. I think that they're comfortable with Isaiah Palomao on the on the field as a safety. I think that Chris Smith is going to end up being on the field as a safety, and Roderick Teamer is a special team's ace. That's why when I kept him off of my, my 53-man roster, I was like, man, I don't even feel comfortable in this. <laughs> right? I don't even feel comfortable because I do believe that he's a special team's ace and they want him. So, yeah, that's the first thing you look at when you look at Roderick Teamer. Look at special teams. Look at safety second. Just know that he's a special teams guy. Chris Smith could provide something on special teams. Isaiah, special teams, right? So, I mean, all three of those guys could do that. But I think Isaiah has a real opportunity to be on the field as a safety. I really do. I like him and Chris Smith. Not saying I don't like Epps and Merrick, and Merrick has a lot uh, to prove, but I think that Chris Smith at some point this season will, will get a lot of significant playing time as a safety, and I would not be shocked at all if Isaiah Palmao does the same thing. Uh, I think that he's going to get some, some significant time as well. So, yeah, the five safeties. Not really a big surprise to me. But thank you for the call, my man. I do appreciate you. 327 is the time. When we come back, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. She'll join the show, talk all things UNLV and the LV Aces. This is Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. Great. You know, I feel more prepared than I've ever been. Uh, I said something to Coach the other day. I was like, I've never – like sweat this much or work this hard at practice like ever before, you know, and that's just proof in the pudding. It's time to go out there and show up, show what we've been in. It's Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 on Unnecessary Roughness. Teach me how to Dougie. Teach, teach me how to Dougie. 
Everybody love me. Er everybody love me. Ha! Nice. Well, well done there, Ari. I like that. Welcome in, Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. And Paloma, did you like Ari's uh, Teach Me How to Dougie Doug Brumfield rejoiner there? Yeah, man, that was that was fire. It's game week, and like Doug Brumfield said, you know, he's never worked harder before in his life. He's uh, more prepared than he's ever felt at UNLV. So, um, man, Q, just seeing seeing practice every day, I mean, we're going to see a completely different team this year than we have in the years past, and that's for sure. Um, on both sides of the ball, um, these guys are playing fast. Um, it's exciting to see all the talent on, on both both sides of the ball. So Saturday at Allegiant Stadium, a 1 p.m. kickoff against Bryant. You know, I think tickets are starting around $20. So um, if you want to go to Allegiant Stadium, you want to see these new-looking Rebels, you got to get out there on Saturday. What are your expectations as they're, they're hosting Bryant, as you mentioned? Mm -hmm. What are your expectations? Like, what do you think, especially since it's week one for UNLV, and, you know, they're still going to kind of shake some of the rust off, but how, how do you think this team performs on Saturday? Man, I hope they blow them out of the water. You know, <laughs> I mean, I hope, I hope they score, you know, 10 touchdowns, really. I mean, the, this offense is so dynamic. Um, there's so much you can do with this offense. You know, the, the new offensive coordinator is coming from the University of Texas, mm -hmm. um, and he's running this go-go offense that is, you know, his goal is to get the ball as, you know, vertical as much as possible. UNLV has um, a lot of great receivers. Um, a lot of talent in their receiver room. Doug Brumfield looks the best he's ever looked since I've been here uh, for the past three years here at UNLV. Um, so so I, I'm hoping to see, you know, a really exciting game on Saturday. I know I'm excited to see this go-go offense, you know, against someone else. And, you know, talking to the defensive players, they're like, man, it's crazy. We don't know what they're going to do. It's definitely not like a, a one-man show. You know, Doug right. Brumfield mentioned to me, he always has three options. You know, he can tuck the ball, he can, you know, throw the ball, you know, run play option, whatever he wants to do. Um, but he feels really confident. So I'm super excited to finally see these guys in live action. Um, their, their fall camp has been incredibly successful under Barry Odom. They look organized. They look focused. Um, I mean, it's just a completely, completely different vibe around UNLV. So, Q, if, if, if this team doesn't go to a bowl game this year, I will be shocked. <laughs> six wins. Got to get six yeah, wins man. to get that, that bowl eligibility. And, and I'm glad you mentioned Doug Brumfield. Uh, he was one of the counselors there at the, at the Manning camp uh, mm -hmm. this, you know, during the summer and everything. What has he mm -hmm. said as far as what he learned from that experience around the Mannings in that setting? You know, I mean, Doug is just way more mature this year. Um, and, you know, what we're seeing from Doug Brumfield is, you know, a starting quarterback that is excited to be the starting quarterback, you know, no, no competition over the fall, over the spring. Um, you know, he's UNLV's guy. And, you know, at the Peyton Manning camp, um, he had the opportunity to coach, you know, up to 20 kids, you know, all day long. Mm -hmm. So a, a great experience for him to learn from the Manning, um, to learn about leadership, to use his voice, to be, vocal you know he told us this this fall camp that um you know he wants the team to hear his voice on and off the field right. um so what i'm seeing is just a really mature i mean he looks he looks older he looks taller <laughs> he looks bigger um so i'm i'm super excited and i know doug doug has dealt with 
you know, uh, the past three years, he's been injured at UNLV. So he's dealt with a lot of adversity. So me personally, you know, I hope he has a great season because, you know, he's just been dealt with a lot of adversity at UNLV. So I'm rooting for the kids. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. You host the Rev Zone. You have Coach Odom on. Uh, what has he told you? Does he have a little bit of butterflies in his belly for the, you know, the, the opener of his coaching career with the Rebels? Q, Barry Odom is one of the smartest football coaches I've been around. And I've worked in the SEC. I've worked with Nick Saban. Um, you know, I've worked deep in the SEC football, and he's smart. He is a smart man. Um, you know, when I'm on the field, I'm learning so much from him. When I'm on the red zone, I'm learning so much from him. Um, and I've only been with Barry Odom for a short amount of time, mm-hmm. you know, eight months here in Las Vegas. Um, that man is very smart, very, very smart. He's bringing over 15 years of coaching experience from the SEC um, you know, he's been the head coach in the SEC at Missouri. He's played in the SEC. He's gone up against, you know, Nick Saban and all the great, right. you know, in, in the SEC. So this man knows what he's doing when it comes to the structure of practice, um, what tweaks need to be made. Um, I've learned personally a lot through his offensive coordinator, through his defensive coordinator. Um, so I, I'm definitely like a sponge around the program, too. <laughs> and that's me, you know, going to practice. Right. So can you only imagine how much smarter this football team is, you know, that they're around this new coaching staff 24-7. So, um, you know, I hope to see, you know, a, a better football team this year. You know, right. I hope I hope he goes out there and wins all the games he can because, um, uh, you know, and it just I think it meant a lot to UNLV that, you know, he started off his press conference on Monday saying how thankful he is to be the head coach of UNLV and that these opportunities are hard to get. So, man, just shows you what kind of person he is. Definitely just shows you what kind of person he is on and off camera, too. Um, You know, he's very humble, very thankful. He says his family loves Las Vegas. um, And he's doing everything he can to get Las Vegas to support his team, to go out to Allegiant Stadium. Um, They're going to host the most alumni they've ever hosted at a game on Saturday. So that that's going to be huge. So um, the important thing to me and the important thing to these players is that he cares. Right. He cares. He cares about Las Vegas. He cares about this football team. He cares about my show on Fox 5. He cares. So, right. you know, in return, these players, they want to return, you know, the favor to him. You know, they want to play hard for him. So um, I'm excited what, what comes out on Saturday. I want to ask you one more question about the UNLV program as they're hosting Bryant on Saturday. Uh, what about that defense? I know, you know, kind of covering yeah. you and following you throughout mm-hmm. the fall or throughout the spring uh, leading into the fall, they've been creating a bunch of turnovers. What does that defense mm-hmm. look like right now? Yeah, they've got a ton of transfers, too, you know, with the, with the portal. You know, we expect transfers all the time. Um, they got a linebacker from – they got two linebackers from Arkansas that I think mm. will – will bring um, talent to the field for sure. Jackson Woodard is the middle linebacker, the captain of the defense. He was the linebacker at Arkansas with the defensive coordinator who's coming from Arkansas. So there's already kind of an established relationship on the field when it comes to the coaches and the players that went to Arkansas. Um, there's an outside linebacker from LSU who's, who's tall, 6'4", um, Xavier Carter. So they got a little bit of SEC talent on the defensive side of the ball. Um, and then, yeah, man, the secondary, whew, they've been lighting it up at, nice. at practice. 
Um, Barry Odom, he's going to he's going to use a lot of DBs. He's going to use a lot of DBs out there, um, up to six at a time. Um, and what I've seen from the defensive backfield is, man, these DBs are elite. Dre Williams, number one, he's going to be all over the field um, for sure. So, so yeah, the defense has has only gotten better under under Coach Odom, new defensive coordinator coming from Arkansas. Uh, Mike Shear, he he played at Missouri. He's been coached under Barry Odom. I think Barry Odom even recruited him out of high school. So (laughs) when you have those established relationships, you know, some of these coaches have known Barry Odom for like 20 years. So, you know, when you have 20 years of of a relationship built, by the time you get get out on the football field, I mean, there's no confusion. There's no, you know, they're clicking. They're clicking. They have that relationship built. Um, and that's that's huge. I think that's huge. That's special, right. especially in the college football world. We know when co- you know how much you know coaches move around. So um, Barry Odom has a lot of guys in his building that he's worked with for many years in the past. So hopefully that helps UNLV win in the future. Well, they get it started on Saturday at Allegiant Stadium. That's going to be fun to look forward to, not only this game on Saturday, but the rest of the Rebels season. Before we let you go, I did want to ask you about the Aces. They've been on the struggle bus just a little bit. Um, Is it just a matter of them just being tired and the depth isn't really quite there, especially since Candace Parker's out? Yeah, I mean, I think Asia Wilson said after the Liberty loss that, you know, they just need to lock down on defense and, and come out and put out a better defensive performance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being on the road, it's it's hard too. Being on the road, yeah. playing on the road, um, sure, sure. There's maybe a little bit of fatigue, and you know, on the other hand, the Liberty are rolling. You know, the yeah, Liberty are. are dominant for sure. So, yeah, I mean, we're kind of seeing the Aces maybe you know find some fatigue, you know, down the stretch, whereas the Liberty are kind of gaining momentum down the stretch of their season. Um, so, you know, Asia Wilson and, and the Aces, you know, they're back at the house I think on Thursday. So. Um, I know at home they're they're dominant and they love playing in Vegas and maybe these two losses will kind of put a chip on their shoulder to come out and, and put up a dub at, at home. So um, to Asia Wilson, it's all about, you know, taking care of the defensive end of the court and, you know, making sure that they come out strong on defense. When you're going up against the Liberty and how loaded the Liberty are, you know, you can't slip up defensively. You can't let Sabrina Unescu and, and, and Stewie get hot, which they have this right. season. So, um, man, I think that's maybe like three or four losses now to the Liberty. So uh, the Aces, gotta, they got to change things up for sure when, when it comes to Liberty because we know we're going to see the Aces and the Liberty in the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, right now the Liberty are getting hot. The Aces are not. So they've got to find a way to turn it around. And the good thing for them is they did this last year, right? They went on a mm-hmm. little stretch where it wasn't the most successful mm-hmm. stretch. And, well, they ended up winning the championship. So I'm not, not, not uh, you know, <laughs> thinking that they're down and out, yeah. but just they need to get a little shot in the arm and get a little bit of, of juice going. Well, finally, Paloma, we'll, we'll let you go on this. Uh, your guy, Josh Jacobs, he's back officially, yeah. right? He's in the building. He talked to the media earlier. We're yeah. going to hear from him a little while from now. Uh, what do you think? One, mil- one year, almost $12 million for Josh. He's back. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to him earlier this week, and he's just relieved. He's just like, finally, you know, you know, I'm glad. I'm happy for the Raiders. I'm happy for Josh Jacobs. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad that the both sides both sides came to an agreement. Took, took a second for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Josh is incredibly talented. You know, he's one of the best. He's the best back in the league for sure. Um, so, you know, I think Josh was just trying to, to, you know, tell the Raiders, like, you know, 
he is talented and right. he has a lot of gas in his in his tank and um he's only getting better every year um so when it comes to the running backs and and to to Josh I mean if it wasn't for him there's no way they would have won some of those games last year so right. um when it comes to this offense and this new offense under Jimmy G um you know I want to see those guys come out firing with Josh Jacobs too and um, you know, I know he's in the building today working on that chemistry, you know, getting ready to work. Um, but Josh Jacobs, man, he's one of the hardest working people I know, uh, for sure. Since, since high school, since college, um, he's one of the hardest working guys in the room. So, um, for him to be in that building, that's huge. Um, that's huge for this team to, to come out and put out, um, winning performances, you know, with right. Josh Jacobs back there. So, uh, super excited for Josh. You know, I think everyone is out there buying all his number eight jerseys yeah. and everything. So, um, no, super excited for Josh. Happy for him. And, you know, I want to see him go win this thing. Right, exactly. He's back in that number eight, which you saw him uh, rocking back at Alabama, right? He's wearing that number eight again. So yeah. he's, uh, he's fired up and excited about that. And obviously Raider Nation is excited that he's back in the building. Well, you got the Rev Zone coming up. I know you got the game on Saturday, but the Rev Zone's coming up. What's it going to feature? Yeah. Yeah, 10.30 on Sunday with, with Barry Odom. We'll be in the in the studio going over their first game. Um, once again, we're just diving deeper into his program. There's so many new faces um, when it comes to nutrition and strength and, and his coaching staff. Um, you know, we're going to sit down with Hunky Cooper, which is a UNLV legend who's, who's been in the building. And, um, you know, for, for the Red Zone, I just want to show Vegas, like, all the right pieces that Barry Odom has around him when it comes to his staff um, and everyone in that building that's, you know, all working towards the same goal, and that's winning. Um, I think Doug Brumfield mentioned to me that, you know, every single person in the building is, has one goal in mind, and that's to win. And they're all working towards the same goal, and he feels that energy in the building. So i um, super excited for Barry Odom to be in studio every week. Um, you know, after Bryant, they got Michigan coming up on the road, so – um, a lot to talk about on the red zone for sure, but you know, a new season is here. So definitely a lot to talk about. Yeah, there's no doubt. No doubt. Well, great stuff as always Paloma. Enjoy the game on Saturday and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you uh, next week. Thanks Q. Have a good week. All right, you too. There she goes. Paloma Villacana, Fox five sports on Twitter at Paloma Fox five news, talking all things UNLV, talking some LV aces and talk about Josh Jacobs. Who's back rocking the number eight jersey. 3.46 is the time. We'll take a quick break, come back, close out hour number two, just like that. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, the good thing is Ari came up with a good idea. He said, just tell the Raiders that we're going to end the show early and we'll get the practice squad list early. Well, he was right. We said it. We put it out there in the universe. And all of a sudden, the practice squad email arrives in our inbox. So, Ari, well done. You're like two for two today, man. I don't know. I don't know. What color shirt you wearing? Is that orange? Uh, might be. Might be closer to orange. Okay. Or, or green for go. That's definitely not green. Uh, it's a red shirt for sure. Is it and red? it's working. Is it red? It's red. It's a little lighter than yours, yes. And my camera is not great. So I'm about I, to I say, man, that looks like a it's confused. a damn pumpkin. <laughs> Maybe a little more on the salmon side. It All like, I know it, is we got that email, though. We did. We <laughs> did. So, well done. I'm not mad at that. At all, we do have Greg Harden, author of Stay Sane and In an Insane World, coming up at the top of the hour. But let me go over this list real quick of the guys who are officially on the Raiders practice squad. David Agoha off top, 
again, doesn't count against the practice squad. He's the international player of the Pathway program. He is on the practice squad, makes all the sense of the world. He doesn't count against the practice squad numbers. Why would you not have him on there, right? So he's there. Matt Butler mentioned earlier he's back, defensive tackle, guy that was uh, drafted last year by Dave Ziegler and company. McClendon Curtis, he's back. He's on the practice squad. Oh, wait, hold on. Now apparently there's a correction email. All right, all right, go ahead and give me the correction email. Just go ahead and do it live on the air. Live? Uh, no, well, it is. It's, we recalled the last email, sent the, re, uh, the new one, so I just want <laughs> live radio. I just wanted to make sure you. All have right, well, just one. go. Just tell me what's the what's the changes that are right, corrections. You got to go. Uh, uh, Butler, uh, Clinton. Uh, excuse me, Curtis McClendon. Yep, McClendon Curtis. Oh, dumb. Okay. Yep. <laughs> go Cole, ahead. Cole Fotheringham, okay. Jaden Grant, Taylor Hall. Tyler Hall. Yep. Kainai oh. Mauga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sincere McCormick. Okay. Natane Moody. Okay. Isaac Rochelle. Devin yep. Ross. John Samuel Schenker. Yep. Sam Webb and Antonio Wesley. That's what I got. Okay. Well, then I don't. <laughs> it's one of those things where he might have he made have made some small correction that I can't even find. I just wanted to make sure so we're not giving anyone false info. No, no, yeah, no, that's fine. I want to make sure that we like we get it, maybe I we get know. it right. I don't know, but that's the same one that I just have, and I don't know. <laughs> same year. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. I don't know. Maybe it sounds an extra like letter on the you know. Maybe. It sounds like it's the right it's the right uh, practice maybe squad a spelling list, but uh, correction, yeah. No yeah, worries. I haven't I haven't seen and my email apparently is a little it takes a little longer to get to get to me than it does you, even though I'm right down the street from the Intermountain Health Performance Center. I don't know. <laughs> but there's that. So I'll look for any kind there of changes, go. but it sounds like that, that is the official list. Again, uh real quick, David Agoha, Matthew Butler, McClendon Curtis, Cole Farthingham, Jaden Grant, Tyler Hall. Did, did you say Jaden Grant? Did you have that on the I did, yes. Okay, Jaden Grant, Tyler Hall, uh Kanai Moaga. Sincere McCormick, Natani Mute, Isaac Rochelle, Devin Ross, John Samuel Shanker, Sam Webb, and Antoine Wesley. Wesley is a wide receiver. Ross is a wide receiver. So there you go. That's That, that was in a roundabout way, uh, producing on the fly, you know. You know, not having any kind of uh, anything, any kind of direction on that one. So wasn't the finest hour there on Unnecessary Roughness, but we got the information to you anyway. So there's that. Of course, we'd love to hear from you as well. Uh, not right now because we do have a guest coming up, but in the other, in the next hour, uh, first we're going to start things off with Greg Harden. He's the author of Stay Sane in an Insane World, How to Control con- uh, Controllables and Thrive. That's going to come up at the top of the hour. Then Vinny sent over the Josh Jacobs sound, and uh, they met with him at the Intermountain Health Performance Center by way of Zoom. He wasn't at the podium, so we've got the full meal deal thing. You'll hear it after we talk to Greg Harden coming up in hour number three of the show. Then Ari has reason or excuse coming up around 4.30 or so. Uh, at that point, you know, we'll, we'll figure out exactly what direction. And maybe if there is a, a, a correction to the practice squad, maybe we'll go over it one more time to make sure that we have it all correct. But uh, there you go. As you can tell, we have an action-packed third hour of the show. We're going to kick it off with Greg Harden, again, author of Stay Sane in the Insane World, how to Control the Controllables, and Thrive. It's next on Reddish Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.